Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and welcome to another episode of Coffee Talk. So this week, I am going to be chatting with a local and good friend of mine. Her name is Jill. She has been on the podcast before. Um, she was actually our first guest for Coffee Talk, where we talked about sustainable brands. Uh, Jill is R.I. Vintage and then two underscores on Instagram and on Poshmark. So make sure you follow her either while you're listening to the episode or after you're done listening to the episode. We're going to break down what it's like to be a part-time seller, things that we experience, things that we're going through, um, and just kind of giving you a breakdown of different tips and tricks that have helped for us. And if you're not a part-time seller and you're a full-time seller, I hope you find some insightful um, commentary and some maybe walk away with some different ideas of what you can implement in your business. So let's get to it. Hey, Jill. Hey. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. It's Sunday, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, after this, I'm just going to tuck into a bag of popcorn and like not move off my couch yeah. <laughs> and it's early seven o'clock at night is late for me yeah. I'm old <laughs> it's grandma's it's seven o'clock and it's like oh man it's bedtime almost well when the sun's gone gone been down for like you know four hours already I know, I know it's little, crazy a little rough crazy so um what's been going on since the last time you were on the podcast what's going on with you oh actually before we do that introduce yourself because some people don't know who you are Okay. Um, so my name is Jillian or Jill and my Instagram and my Poshmark closet is RI Vintage with two underscores. Um, I have been reselling for probably, I mean, in the way, in the capacity that I am now, probably I would say just almost three years, Mm -hmm. two and a half, um, more seriously. Um, you know, I kind of use it as a supplemental income. Obviously I work full time. Like that was the, that's the whole point of us chatting today is, is trying to figure out, um, and help you guys maybe to learn how we manage our time as far as having, you know, a full-time job plus a pretty demand. I mean, resale reselling is, is pretty demanding. Um, I'm sure that you know that it, it, it looks easy from the outside. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, look at all these cool things that I found. But then here are the 40 steps that you don't see yeah. in between bringing it in and then and then sending it out. So, um, yeah, that's Jill. That's me. <laughs> so Jill and I have known each other for seven or eight years. Long time. <laughs> <laughs> been a long time yeah yeah so um since 2013 I think around there yeah. Yeah. around there that makes sense yeah it's been a while we've known each other and um I knew that Jill sold clothes but I don't think I fully understood it until mm, last year or the year before about probably like two years ago yeah I remember like I so I have a Poshmark Instagram now but I also have a personal Instagram which is private because I have um you know, my full-time job and a lot of my customers are kind of, you know, I don't want them to find me on the internet. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, I had been posting some of the cool stuff that I was finding in thrift stores probably like two years ago. And I think Daniela DM'd me and was like, Oh, what are you doing with that? Cause it was like, I don't know. I don't even remember what it was that I found probably something that I like 
wouldn't even get excited about now. But uh, she's like, what are you doing with that? And I was like, oh, I sell on Poshmark. Like, you know, here's what I do. And she goes, oh, I have a Poshmark closet too. And then we just kind of started going from there. Um, I think Danielle was selling mostly her closet at that point in time. Yeah, I was. I was selling all of my stuff. And then I wanted to get into what Jill was doing, go to the thrift stores and buying things, but I didn't really understand it, I guess, a hundred percent. Like I got it, but I yeah. needed a little more guidance. So Jill and I went to the bins together. So my first experience of the bins was with Jill. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that I was, think that was, was that my first time at the bins? I don't know. I think I might've gone with my friend Chelsea before that. I don't remember. It was either the time that I went with you or the time that I went with Chelsea was my first time. And honestly, that was my only two times at the New Hampshire bins. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. I mean, the bins was an experience. It was fun, but it kind of like launched me into what I'm doing now. And obviously it's evolved over time. And uh, anyway, Jill and I are very close and we talk all the time and we have rotating schedules as to which thrift stores we're going to go to during the week. Danielle calls them our children. Yes. So it's like, who do, which child do you have custody of today? You have this one and this one, and I'll take this one and this one. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Sounds great. And we divide and conquer that way. So I think um, being a part-time reseller, it's nice to find other people in your area that do similar thing as you, because you're able to have these different connections and you can bounce different ideas off of each other. And, um, and being that we both thrift at night for the most part, knowing where one person's going to be not that we would be mad if someone we walked into a store and like I saw Jill which happens all the time like oh yeah cool you know it happened at Warwick once and she was like okay I'm gonna hit jackets I'm gonna hit this and I'm gonna I was like okay you have that I'm gonna go hit shoes and I'll hit dresses like we both have different areas that we honestly I mean I have certain things that I prefer Mm -hmm. to shop for I used to be really into buying shoes and I haven't had a ton of luck with shoes lately. So now my first stop is the athletic wear. Yeah. So things change all the time, you know? Yeah. So I think so good. One thing I have to say, there's always more. Oh yeah. There's plenty to go around. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. In, so part of us always get envious of each other. It's like, oh man, you found that, you know, but it's like, you're happy for the other person too. And then when you go the next time you're going to find something and, you know, it's just, it's nice to have the camaraderie with someone. So yeah, that's Jill and I's history. We, we, we go back and Jill's kind of the person who launched me into reselling and, um, and we both were very demanding jobs. So when it came to talking about being a part-time reseller and just kind of navigating everything in the climate of the world right now, which is just crazy. Um, and not knowing what the next day even holds right now, um, right. just to give everyone a little quick, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because it's in everyone's world right now, but um, our numbers here are rising significantly where we live in Rhode Island, and uh, we really don't know when the lockdown's going to happen, but we know it's, it's going coming. to happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Coming really Daniela soon. Daniela and I have been doomsday prepping for, I want to say, two weeks at this point, and yeah, by doomsday, tre- doomsday prepping, I mean, you know, First of all, I just want to put this out there. We're both Capricorns, right? (laughs) So if you can't already tell by some of the things that we've already said and will continue to say, just just going to put that out there. But Daniela is very type A. Daniela is very like, list it, get it done, get it out. And meanwhile, I'm like, I would prefer to do the fun things like shopping and blah, blah, blah. So Daniela very rarely carries a um, quote, death pile. Yeah. Um, I I do. I've got a hoard. I've got a straight up hoard. 
Yeah. And we actually were discussing earlier this week, you know, if we were to shut down for a month, if I wanted to list five things a day for 30 right. days, I would need mm -hmm. to have 150 items on backup. And I think we're getting there. Yeah. I think I need to go a couple more times. Well, I don't know if I'm going to go this week. However, um, <laughs> I need to source whether it's online or whatever I decide to do um, at least 30 more things. And then I think I'll be okay because then yeah. I always have relisting too. So even though I've already relisted my entire closet of the items that were 60 days or older, I still have another batch that are coming up that are going to be 60 days or older in the next few weeks. So um, I'll, I'll be okay. Like yeah. I can always relist. It's, it's right. fine. I have enough items in my closet where I can do that. And I think if you don't have that many items in your closet, you could always, I mean, find things in your house. If you're in the same situation as us and you can't go out and source, you can always find things in your house, which we can get into right. all of that. But right now that's what Jill and I are focusing on. Um, we both have very busy schedules. Jill's schedule has completely changed in the last few weeks, uh, right. month, maybe the last month. Uh, yeah, it was like the first week of October. Mm. So her schedule is completely changed and I'll have her talk about that. You guys already know I work for the state. So, um, while things have slowed down a little bit in terms of unemployment, it's for now, for now, right. It's going to start picking back up within the next few weeks. And it already has started a little bit. So, um, it's been short lived the little break that we've gotten, but there's other stuff that goes on obviously with, um, state government. There's always changes yeah. in policies and all that kind of stuff. So my schedule has obviously changed a lot as well. Um, but Jill, why don't you tell everyone what you do? Because they don't, I'm sure people don't know what it is that you do and what uh, your job demands of you, because it's quite a bit. What doesn't my job demand of me? <laughs> Let me just, it's a lot. All of my mental and emotional and physical yeah. energy. Um, no. So I'm a, I'm a sales rep for a liquor distributing company. So um, in the state of Rhode Island, we have about 14 different distributors. So if you were to go out to eat at a restaurant in Rhode Island, you would probably see at least one of three, or you'd probably see at least three of those 14 distributors And my company is one of them and has recently purchased one of the others. Um, so, you know, when coronavirus first started and we locked down a majority of what my sales division focused on was on-premise, which is bars and restaurants. So, you know, when we first started, I had, I think I had 80 bars and restaurants and I had four liquor stores. So when everything shut down and the restaurants closed for 11 weeks or 12 weeks or however long it was, um, I feel like I like blacked out in March and just woke yeah. up in October, but that's a different story. Uh, you know, I only had four stores. So they <clears throat> unfortunately had to make some cutbacks um, and they had to do some layoffs. So they kind of rerouted all of the sales reps. And now I'm working with 124 accounts and it's 104, no, it's 106 on-premise and then the rest are liquor stores. So my days used to be, you know, 10 to five or six or whenever, because you can't see anyone at a bar before nine o'clock. Nobody's anywhere near a bar. Um, unless you're talking like a Portuguese or Italian club, to be honest. But um, now that I've got more stores, a lot of my, a lot of my days kind of start at 730. I'm out the door by 730, eight o'clock. And sometimes I don't get home until it's done, which sometimes is seven. Sometimes it's five. If I get home at five o'clock, I'm thrilled. 
Yeah, it's a good day. And that's without a stop at the thrift store. So yeah, it's it's demanding. It's a fun job though. I mean, it's cool if you like to talk to people. Um, I came from bartending before that and I worked in restaurants and managed restaurants. So uh, pretty used to talking to people for a living. And, you know, I was a buyer at a bar, so I knew what worked on me. That's, that's kind of what I told um, the people who interviewed me initially. So yeah. Yeah, it takes a lot. I drive all over the state. Our state is small, but that doesn't mean it doesn't take forever to get anywhere because there's a lot of places where you can only get there with like, you know, one road in and one road out. Mm-hmm. So you get off a highway in Massachusetts, you drive 40 minutes and then you're where you need to be in Rhode Island <laughs> and you take the same road to get back. It's it's true. Very strange. It's true. A lot of uh, a lot of Rhode Island is one ways or um, I mean, just these weird horse trails and it's the same way in Massachusetts in these old towns it's just it's New England it's just old um and that's the way they never really changed the road maps and they just kind of kept everything and paved them I just called it a day <laughs> there's a couple more bridges now I think but yeah other than that it still takes forever to get anywhere <laughs> yeah yeah Rhode Island's interesting because there's a certain part of Rhode Island where you have to exit the state enter into Massachusetts and then exit Massachusetts to go back into Rhode Island um so that's fun. <laughs> yeah, that's right near where I live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of that that happens. Um, but yeah, so we both struggle sometimes, and I, I think I can speak for both of us here, with finding the time to dedicate what we would really like to reselling. I think if it was up to us, like we would dedicate more time to just kind of sit and research and, and take our time at the thrift stores and um, really learn about different brands and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we always like, we find brands by chance, you and I, because either we're researching in terms of like bloggers and, oh, we follow this blogger, we follow this YouTuber and we learn about different brands that way. We happen to be the thrift store and it's like, oh, I've never seen this before. Let me look it up. Or I hear a YouTube. This looks like a bougie tag. <laughs> exactly. This tag is stitched. So I would pay $388 on Farfetch for this tag. Yeah, right. Exactly. So <laughs> people always ask me and I'm sure they ask you too Jill it's like well how do you learn all this stuff and like you're part-time how do you do this like how do you even know what to pick up the thrift store how do you get to the thrift store so fast and to be honest with you Jill and I came up with uh, we have the same kind of game plan we get into the thrift store we hit the places that are going to be the most profitable for us first Um, and that's just because we know what works in our own stores so what works in my store doesn't necessarily work in Jill's store even though we shop at the same place it doesn't work that way right Um, And we also know every store's color tag, how that process works, what's the incoming tag, like all of that. We have worked together to figure that out. And you can do this on your own. You don't have to do it with someone else, but it's just so happened that Jill and I do this together. Right. Um, And so I would say also that it's not only the the store that we go to. So we typically go to savers mm-hmm. and Daniela hits up Salvation Army way more than I do. I just don't understand their system. I don't love it. We have one goodwill. It's garbage most of the time. Winners. So right. So the closest thrift stores to us are savers. So every store has their own kind of fresh inventory system. Right. And you know, as soon as you figure what figure out what that is, it's really easy to kind of get in there, see what's new and then get out. Yeah. I mean, could you go through every single rack and look at- Oh, there are definitely people who do. Yeah. And I honestly, I wish that I had the time and I wish that I had 
you know, the energy and dedication, quite frankly, to do that. I really just don't. If I get to the thrift store at 4.30 and it's already dark, I want, I need to be home before six. I need to feed myself. I need to sit down and I need to just, you know, list three things that I have on my phone and go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. And it's like, I don't think I have the patience, honestly, anymore to go through everything on the rack. Like when I first started, yes, because I did do oh, it. Yeah. I did do it. I did too. Yeah. But now, absolutely not. I'm just looking at the new tag. And if I happen to go into the the last week's tag and like the first few things and I see something that might catch my eye, then I might keep looking. But other than that, I don't. So for example, whatever the color is this week, I would, uh, what it was blue, blue last week. It's blue. Okay. Yeah. Blue. So um, I'll look at all the blue tags. Blue till tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And then it changes. <laughs> so that's what I do. I look through that. I go on to the next, but I only really go, if I have limited time, which is most of the time, unless it's the weekend, um, I'm just going to this, the areas where I know I can make a good profit on things. And like right now, I'm definitely going to jackets and coats. I'm definitely going to sweaters. Um, I definitely am hitting up athletic wear. If you're not, you need to start doing that because that's all people are buying right now is athletic wear. Yeah. Um, I'm not hitting up dresses as often as I was before because not too many people are buying dresses right now. I know, but then that's the true. random sale. <laughs> I did sell an Alexis dress for like $300 yeah. as part of a bundle a couple of weeks, like a week ago. And she bought two dresses. First of all, I love this girl, whoever she was. And also, I don't know where she was going. But right. she bought like a black halo dress and Alexis dress. And then I don't know, like an aloe something. But right. I was just like, where are you going? Yeah. What are you doing? I mean, people are still having weddings and stuff. So, I mean, and not saying don't hit up those areas, but I'm just being very selective in what I get there. Oh, yeah. Um, if I am to minimize the amount of time, if anything, that you're, that you're sitting there looking over things when, you know, there is a limited amount of time when you have, you know, maybe four hours after your, your eight, nine, 10 hour workday, when you have four hours to cram in some of your part-time work, you really have to be efficient with that time. Yeah. And I think it's also important to throw out there that um, we claim to be part-time resellers, but we are in theory, full-time resellers. Like we're part-time because we have a full-time job, but the amount of work that we put in is very close to what a full-timer would probably put in minus the amount of listings that we're putting out. So we're not putting out 50 listings a day, right? Like we're putting out between five to 10 at most. I'm maybe doing 50 a week on a good week. I'd say more like 25 to 30 a week. Yeah. Yeah, same. So that's where we classify ourselves as part-timers because we're not necessarily cranking out the listings like a full-timer, but the amount of work that we're doing would equate to what a full-timer puts in, plus or minus, obviously, a little bit. But when we're home, the majority of our time when we're not decompressing is put towards reselling. That's what we're doing. So I think it's important to put that out there that yes, we claim to be part-timers, but we are putting in a lot of work um, as well. Because yeah. the sourcing alone, I mean, if you take, if you're, if it's really good, like if the thrift store is really good, we stay, we make oh. that sacrifice and we I'll stay. go into the depths of those racks mm-hmm. and I will check every section mm-hmm. if it's good. And like, you know, when you just walk up to that first rack and you find like two or three things in a row yeah, and then you go to the next one, you find like one or two and then you hit up another section in that same size and you find like one or two and you're just like who is this tiny bitch oh 
Can I swear on this? Who's this tiny bitch? And where's the rest of her stuff? Because I, I want it. I know. I know. It's true. I, we, we totally do it too. Or if I go to a certain thrift store or Jill goes to a certain thrift store and, um, and we know the other person's going the next day, it's like, all right, you need to go to size XYZ and you need to look at yep. this guy's shoe. Yep. If Daniela finds like five or six good pairs of shoes and they're all like, I don't know, size 37.5, I'll be like, okay, what size are those shoes? Mm-hmm. Because I know that the next day they could still be putting out donations from the same person. Right. And it probably would be helpful to check in that section. Yeah. So keep, that's a little, little helpful tip. If you're thrifting. That's a hot tip. If you've got some friends. Yeah. If you've got friends who thrift in the same stores as you, if they find great stuff and they're, you know, normal people and are <laughs> trying to help you out then right. they'll tell you what size they they had some luck in and, yeah and uh, even if it's you yourself year. let's say you don't have someone in your area and it's you yourself thrifting you notice the same size over and over again and you know you're going to go back later in the week or maybe the next day keep those like look at those trends and um right make sure you check those sections not saying you're not going to find things in other sections but that just kind of gives you a clue okay i really need to focus on mediums today and, you know, you right. go through the mediums. So you can even do it that way. There's all different ways to do it, but basically finding an efficient plan for yourself when you're in the thrift store. And that's if you can go to thrift stores. Like if you can't go to thrift stores right now, given what's going on, there's other ways for you to do it, whether it's getting a thread up box. They have those new hundred pound boxes that they're doing. No, thanks. Do that, um, I, I could never. I could that's never. a lot. I just could only imagine. I mean, like my thing is like, this is something else we can talk about over the, over the years of doing this. I feel like, you know, my, I've been, I've become so much more selective in what I'm taking home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, Danielle and I will be texting and I'll just be like, God, this thrift store sucks today. There's like nothing in here, blah, blah, blah. But two or three years ago, going through that store, I would have picked up every single made well thing I saw on the rack. I would have picked up every single free people thing. We, the free anthropology and there's always tons of that and honestly I don't really get it anymore so I don't know if the thrift stores I don't think the thrift stores have changed really much if at all I think that my what I'm looking for what I'm willing to spend money on the amount of work that I'm willing to do on an item versus the output and profit that I'm going to make off of it all of those things have changed because I you know, we do need to streamline as you get busier. And, you know, and that means that's in any way, if you're, if you're, if you're full-time, if you have a full-time job and you're a part-time reseller, does it make sense for you to pick up something that you're going to spend 20 minutes, you know, sweater shaving, lint rolling, you have to sew like one tap of the tag back on, like you just have to tack a little, like, does that make sense for you for maybe a $20 profit? If it does, great good for you, but you need to figure out what your bottom line is. Because for me, I would do that if I was going to make $80, Mm a thousand percent, I would, but for $20, my time is better spent elsewhere. Yeah, I agree. I think there's like a certain threshold when you 
um, are doing, when you have been a reseller for longer than a year, I would say, because I feel like in the first year, it's just a testing phase. Like you're, whether you're part-time or full-time, you're always testing things out and you're not sure what brands really work for you. You hear different things in the community and you, you want to try them because you don't know. And it all depends on what you find in your area too. Um, but I think as you evolve as a reseller, um, I, for, for Jill and I, for example, we look for very specific brands and we're fortunate enough to be able to find these types of brands where we live. Um, so these higher ticket mid-tier and luxury brands are, I mean, they don't, they're not there all the time. It's not like we find them on a daily basis. We have to hunt for them. Um, but when we find them, it's great, you know, and mm-hmm. that's just really what we're looking for. I'm not saying that we don't pick up we can bring this up now, Jill, but like J. Crew made well, because we do, we do pick it up. And um, yeah. Jill's actually not a J. Crew girl when it comes to the thrift store. She doesn't typically pick it up. And she sold it burned before. Hmm? I did. Yeah. I found this like pink velvet J. Crew blazer. And I thought it was so cute. And it was a size six. So it would have fit me. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy this for whatever it was. I really hope that person doesn't listen to your podcast. I think it's like $7.49. And I was like, you know what? If I can't sell it, like if I can't sell it for $40, I'll just keep it. Like that's my bottom line. If I can't make at least, you know, what's the math there? Like $25 or something like that. It's not worth it. I'll just keep it. So I photographed, well, actually like hoarded it for a week and a half, two weeks because of who I am as a person. And then I, (laughs) I listed it. I found some stock photos and it sold within an hour for the full asking price, which was $139. So that was surprising to me. I mean, I skip over so much J. Crew all the time. And I know that some of it is desirable and it always depends on the piece and it always depends on like who's looking at what time because you know, at 7 p.m., somebody might have been on there and was just like really feeling a pink velvet jacket. Right. But at any other point, it could have sat there for three months and I could have just dropped the price and dropped the price until I decided this lives with me now. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it too is um, what's current and what's trending right now. What season are we in? Like just be, and blazes are actually really hot right now. So for anyone who's listening, if you're not picking up like velvet blazers or just blazers in general, People are wearing them for their Zoom meetings because all you can see is from the top up, right? So they may have a cami on and then a blazer and then pajamas, <laughs> you know, Sweat pajama pants, pants. Baby, <laughs> I wore sweatpants for 11 weeks straight. Right? So beautiful. people are still dressing from the waist up. So to, you know, I, I feel like blazers are something that people have been picking up over the last um, few months because you still have to look presentable when you're on these Zoom calls, right? Right. Um, Dress pants have just died off. And it's so sad because you notice at the thrift store too, like there's just so many dress pants. People are donating all their dress pants. And um, I haven't really been checking them too much. Uh, I kind of just glaze by them to see if I find like a good piece to send to the real real. But other than that, I'm not looking at them. I do a quick scan. If, yeah. if I find something good in right. a jean section, then you're going to find like two or three pieces in three, four, 26, 27, whatever it is. I'll go creep that section really quick, but I go through it really fast just because I mean, like I'm wearing dress pants five days a week. I wish I wasn't wearing (laughs) dress pants five days a week, but also, you know, 
well, I think like Washington state just got locked down. Pretty sure Arizona's locking down. Um, can't, yeah. There's a lot of places that are, that are going to go into like another like month long, probably like work from home situation. So yeah. I mean, I don't know though, at the same time, when we were locked down, I was like shopping for pants for when everything reopened. So I you know. also never know. I don't know. I know it's hard. It's hard to gauge like where we're going to be. Right. Cause we don't know. We know we're going to be. Well, I mean, I think this, I think it's tough to gauge like any year, what is going to be, you know, the thing that flies, but especially this year, people can't, can you hear this? Not really. I'm sorry. You're going to have to like edit this out. It's so loud. <laughs> My windows are shaking if she leaves that in. Um, uh, it, you can't plan for like next week at this point. Yeah. So that's yeah. really difficult. I feel like in Cody, <laughs> if you hear the little yelp, that's Cody. Cody is Jill's dog. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Yeah, I mean, like, so people can't plan for like next week. Never mind. Next month, people still don't know when they can go on a vacation. I mean, I don't know about you. This is just something that I noticed. Literally, the day that they announced that there was a 90% effectiveness rate for the coronavirus vaccine, I sold like 14 things that day. I don't know if people were just like, oh my God, it's almost over, or if everybody was happy that you know Tuesday was over after the sixth day after election day and all that kind of stuff but it was a it's been a I mean no it's yeah it's changed too much the last like week I want to say sales have been pretty consistent the last week um going like election week was rough election yeah going into the the I would say the two weeks leading up to the election mm-hmm. was really difficult. Mm-hmm. And then for maybe like two to three days afterwards, when it was just kind of stagnant and everybody was glued to whatever news network you watch for days on end, it was, there was not a lot going on there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but moral of the story is just because um, you typically pick up certain brands doesn't mean you can't venture off and, and try different brands. And I think that's something that Jill and I have had to become more comfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. not because inventory is scarce. Cause that's not the case. There's always inventory, right? Like we said before, oh, yeah. so much inventory. Um, Jill could clear an entire thrift store like today and I can go tomorrow and there'll be a whole bunch more that I can pick up. Like it's, yeah. not, there's no lack of inventory. Yeah. Right. Right. There's always, this is like something that, that I've just been saying lately is there's always more. And this is something that Danielle and I were talking about last week, as far as where our sales were coming from and, you know, what we were doing differently as far as moving products out the door, um, as you know, we build our hoards just in case. (laughs) Um, but 
so I know that this is a similar situation for you, Daniela, but like I, in the last, I don't know, six months, something that I have been telling myself over and over and over again is that there's always more. Mm -hmm. And as far as making sales goes, the reason that that makes sense is because before I would find something incredible. I'd find a pair of Fendi boots and I'd be like, oh my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm not selling these for less than like $700. Right. Now, that was the first time that I found Fendi boots. After the fifth time that I found Fendi boots, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm not a storage facility. I want to get these things out the door. They're seven and a half. They don't fit me. If they were a nine or an eight and a half, I might have a little bit of a harder time letting them go. Yeah. But when I'm receiving offers from people these days, instead of like automatically countering back, like, you know, the list price, like this is what it is. Yeah. yeah. I basically you know, if it's a higher end item, which is what I am kind of focusing on these days, I really would like for my sales to be $70 and over. That's kind of where I'm, where I'm aiming for with almost everything that I'm picking up. Um, I do kind of mix in things, you know, in the $40 range, but I really don't want to be playing under $40 because at that point, Mm -hmm. the amount of time that it takes me to process that, to find it, process it, Right. steam it everything right. and then store it and then maybe I'm gonna have to sell it for like $18 down the line is just not worth it to me yeah so anyway you know if I have something listed for this happened to me today I had something listed for $265 the girl offers me $170 so I put it in a bundle I sent her a message because if you guys don't know this I'm sure that you do but if you don't if you counter back and the person declines, you lose the ability to accept that offer. Right. Um, what right. I do a lot of times in higher priced offer situations, if it's a little less than I'd like to take for something, I'll usually share something to a bundle and just kind of say, hey, thanks so much for your offer. Um, you know, Poshmark does take 20% of my sale. I'm willing to offer you free shipping if you can meet me here. Um, and at that point I'll come up with a number that makes sense. Like maybe it's $215 or something like that, but even with the free shipping, it works out better for me that way. Um, Mm -hmm. that way, if the buyer, sometimes the buyer will ghost you, like they won't say anything. They won't say anything in the bundle. They won't respond. Um, sometimes if you counter, they ghost you also, you just, you don't get a decline. You don't get anything. So if you put something into a bundle, and say like verbally offer them a price, but they never get back to you, you still have the ability to accept their original offer. Yeah. So this happened to yeah. me today. I've had an APC coat listed for almost a year at this point. It's a beautiful coat. I was about to pull it and send it to the real world. And I think this girl offered me $170. I put it into a bundle. I said, hey, you know, I would like to get more like this for it. Would you be willing to meet me there? And she never responded, but I had left the offer open. And after about 40 minutes, I was like, well, would I prefer to have $144 or whatever, $146, whatever it is after fees, or would I prefer to share this for another nine months or put it in a box and possibly end up with $35 from the real real for it? That's kind of where I'm going, at least in my, in my view of, of, of selling things because there is so much and because there's there's like I want to say at least a hundred 
local resellers that we know of. Like, not that I know personally that I would go up to and say hello, but we know who they are. Mm -hmm. I see Mm -hmm. the same people at Savers all four days out of the week that I'm trolling a Savers. Like, I see them all the time. I know who they are. So there's a lot of us. We all find good stuff. We all keep going back. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. And it's so funny you say that because I did this the other day too. There was, um, well, there's two instances. The first one was the, um, and I think I talked about this in the last episode with Lori, was the Burberry loafers that I got at Nordstrom Rack that I paid $100 for. And I almost didn't accept an offer where I would have doubled my money on. And I literally sat there. I was like, do I counter? What do I do right now? I Like if this was Daniela a year ago, she would have countered and been like, absolutely not. I am not accepting lower than $300, right? I think it was like 250 that I ended up accepting. Um, but present day, Danielle is like, you need to move things. And you need to make money because the reality of it is this is supplemental income for you and I. Like we right. have learned to, I don't want to say rely. Rely is not the right word, but we almost expect this supplemental income and we've now budgeted it into our yes. um, our finances on a weekly and monthly basis. So I kind of, I kind of do depend on it. So I need to make sure that I'm making a certain amount of sales. It's either I resell and I'm profitable and I make a certain amount of money or I go back to working a part-time job at night, four days a week. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I hear that. I feel you. We like, so Danielle and I were talking about this the other day, you know, if it's retail arbitrage, I'm sitting in a, I'm sitting in a situation where if I'm going to double my money, I'm going to accept the offer. 100%. You know, I would love to make triple quadruple my money every single time, but unfortunately, especially with retail arbitrage, arbitrage, retail arbitrage, (laughs) that doesn't always happen. And a lot of times your investment is higher. So say I spent $60 on a dress and this is a $550 dress. I would love to sell it for $399. But if someone offers me 225, I'm going to take it because that's a great profit turnaround, especially for the amount of money that I had initially invested in. Like I find that when I'm paying up for certain things, the amount of money that I have invested and it does play a role and a part in what I'm willing to take for it. If I'm missing a hundred dollars from my business account because I bought X, Y, Z with it. And then somebody turns around and offers me something that like your Berber shoes, if I'm going to make a hundred dollars and I spent a hundred dollars, like is my bank going to give me a hundred dollars if I had just kept the money in there and not bought them? The answer is no, I'm going to take that and I'm going to move on and I'm going to invest that money elsewhere and do the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Let's talk about that actually for a second, because I think people forget that, um, well, I shouldn't say this. Some people are hobbyists that are part-time. Not everyone goes into it the way that we are. So for Jill and for I, this reselling um, business is meant for savings. It's meant, so Jill bought her house with it. Um, I'm using it to pay off debt and then save for a house. Jill's saving money from a reselling Mm -hmm. business to buy furniture for a new home. So we're, we're using it for specific purposes. So even though we're saving some money, Jill and I also reinvest a ton of the money that we make in business. Yes. Uh, so that we can get to the point that we're at now where we're still growing and we're able to get different types of inventory. I'm able to go to Nordstrom Rack and spend three or $400 right. to then eventually make the $1,000. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So 
Um, we've built our way here. Some of you that are listening may only be hobbyists and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so your reinvestment and your saving process might look different than the way that we're doing it. You might be okay with going into a thrift store, buying a bunch of mall brands, which there's nothing wrong with that. There are people that based on your business on like Target brands and H&M and Forever 21. That's fine. We all do it differently. Um, so for you, all of your money we make might just get reinvested in there. For Jill and I, we look at it a little differently because a portion of our money has to go into a savings of some sort for things that we're working towards in our personal lives, in our financial lives. And then another portion is super important to make back so that we can keep investing and in getting the things that we've been getting this entire time. Right. It's this weird balancing act when you're part-time because yes, we have a full-time income coming in, but we don't touch that money. Our full-time no. income money is completely separate from our reselling money. We do not yes. touch it. And you shouldn't either. If you're working a full-time job and you're part-time, you should not be touching your full-time income. You shouldn't. Nope. So let me just, let's spill the tea here. Okay. Let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. How much money do you think that you spend on inventory a month? Way more than I ever did go back even six months ago. I probably spend between, lately, probably between five to $600 a month. But I'm making, I'm making right. anywhere between three to 5,000. So your profit margin yes. is where you want it to be. Correct. However, I will say that this month I've spent close to a thousand dollars. Okay. What about you? I've spent up to $3,000 in one month. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens. But it typically sits around a thousand. I would say it's usually about a thousand dollars a month. Yeah. Jill and spends I more than to... throw that out there right now. Jill spends yeah. a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't mind. So like... My favorite thing, like, you know, obviously reselling, there are ebbs and flows for everybody. You start one way, you learn what works, you learn what you like better, you learn what works for your closet, you learn what your buyer is looking Mm -hmm. for. So Daniela, especially since I've been able to kind of witness this from the start of her selling her personal closet to her starting to outsource and source for inventory outside of the home and, and, you know, move into all these different avenues of reselling to find out what it was that she liked best and worked for her. Mm-hmm. I've seen Daniela refuse to spend more than $5 on an item. Mm-hmm. I've seen Daniela try to get her cost of goods under $2.50 per item. This was bins, Daniela. This was, this was an, you know, an epic time. Um, but when she was doing that, her volume of sales was much higher because she was still making a great profit margin on everything because of her cost of goods was so low, but she was having to sell 10 to 15 things versus investing $40 in something and selling that one thing for the same amount of profit. So it's been really interesting to watch, but I mean, I, I guess at first, Maybe like a couple of years ago, I was, I was scared to spend more than $20. Mm-hmm. I'm at a point now where if I find something that I know is desirable and whether that's retail arbitrage or thrifting, and I know that it holds its value well, and I can find very recent comparables right. for something, I would spend up to probably 500, if not a thousand dollars on something to resell. Um, because I find that to be a good investment. So 
if I was going to spend a thousand dollars on an item to resell, I would want that item to sell for at least 2000. Right. If I was going to spend $500 on something to resell, I would need it to sell for at least 1200 mm-hmm. in that kind of range. Like that's just, I feel like the more that I spend almost the less profit margin I expect to make mm-hmm. on it because not every day are you going to find a Fendi bag for $3 and sell it for 800. It's just, it's going to happen to you. It will it happen to everybody. However, it doesn't happen every day. No. It so, doesn't. And I think it's a part-time little... reseller, it's important to remember that, that like when you see full-time resellers on social media posting all these amazing things that they found and you have no idea how much they paid for this stuff. Like it's very possible they went to a buy, sell, trade store and mm-hmm. spent three or $400 on the item um, or less. I mean, you don't know. They could have found it at the bins. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's happened. Um, but you need to be mindful of that when you're part-time because you're not out there 24 seven like these people. So don't compare yourself to that kind of stuff. And when Jill and I find these things, I mean, we're super excited, obviously, because it doesn't happen every day, but you need to, like Jill said, when you're finding these higher ticket items, you need to like keep it in the back of your mind where you're probably not going to make as much money as if you went to the thrift store and found a pair of, I don't know, um, what's something that everyone can find, J. Crew jeans, you paid $3.99 or $5.99 for them and you're going to sell them for $45. Right. It's very different. Um, right. And this is where business models can change. And just like Jill said, my business models changed completely. And now mm-hmm. I'm in the mentality where whenever I find certain luxury goods, I don't list it myself anymore. I just ship it off because it's not worth my time to even list it. It's not. I found a Chloe right. dress um, about three weeks ago, I've sent it four weeks ago, sent it to the real real and waiting for them to list it. But that is not worth my time to list and sell myself on Poshmark. It would sit for a really long time. It's a very specific buyer. I would never probably get the amount of money that I'll get on the real real. I'm okay with getting 60% 60 of whatever they listed for. Totally fine. This is a really good thing to bring up also for part-time sellers. So if you find yourself in a place where you have, you know, a lot of inventory and not enough time to handle it. Something that both Daniela and I do is I outsource some of that work by using the real real and you know, may it rest in peace. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't know what's going on with thread up, it's a whole, whole drama book, but, um, you know, initially I never really bought into using thread up as a a platform to sell on. I never ever source items specifically for thread up unless I happen to find Giorgio Armani in the thrift store for like under $12. That's the only thing I've ever bought specifically for thread up because they like Armani and the real world doesn't take it. Daniela's had luck with that, but I've never gotten them to take it. So but, um, like <gasps> Emporium Armani, they take. Emporio. Yeah, they That's do. The only one. But they don't take Armani Colezioni. Thread up takes Colezioni. Yeah. And it does really well. So I never really used Thread Up as a platform. I was never sourcing specifically for them. I knew that there were courses on on that and a lot of people who did do really, really well and were making like a hundred dollars on a Calvin Klein dress, which is absolutely ridiculous and amazing. 
good for you guys. That was not me. What I did with RedUp was I unloaded tubs and tubs of We The Free t-shirts, Free People pants, um, Wild Fox stuff that does not sell for me personally. It just doesn't sell. It never did. A lot of the stuff when I first started, I bought because I saw other resellers buying those things. And I was like, cool, like this is what sells. This is what's going to move. I couldn't even tell you how long I had been staring at certain like postmark by anthropology tops in my closet until I just no longer could handle it. Yeah, I could not yeah. bear to share it a single more time, like a single time. So, you know, I would send dead inventory to thread up. But to be honest with you, I would take it to Plato's before I would even send it to thread up. So I would go to Plato's with like a bag, like 50 things, maybe they'd take 15 to 20 things. And then I would take the rest of it and send it to thread up. Um, I did a couple of the Lux labels, which was cool. I never really, I don't want to say trusted them with some of the higher end things, but honestly, I didn't really trust them. I was going to say, can I tell you, I don't trust them. I don't send them anything that's high end. Yeah. The only thing, the only thing I'll send them like of, I guess, technical value is like Armani Colezioni and some of the higher end stuff that I've bought that I took a gamble on and maybe it didn't work out, but really only if I've spent under $15 per item, I won't send them anything higher than that. So I just sent off my last, my last bag, I think. Um, under the new rules that they came up with. But the Real Real is a great, great platform to use. So we've talked about this before. The breakdown is is really basic. You know, once you sell over a thousand dollars worth of goods on the site, your commission rate goes from like what 50 to 55. Yeah. And then it jumps up to 60. And, and then, then it, it jumps up to 60% when you hit $5,000. And then it goes up to like 70 when you hit, you know, $10,000 or whatever, which sounds like a lot. Yes. Selling $10,000 worth of goods on the real world sounds like a lot. But when you find, when you're Daniela and you find 18 cashmere Max Mara coats mm-hmm. and you send them and they sell each one of them for like I don't know, $1,200 and you're getting 50 to 70% of that based on your commission tier. That's a great turnaround and it's a fast way to move up. So what I've been doing lately, and I don't know if you do this, I'll list, you know, designer things in my closet. I'll let them sit for 60 to 90. I'll push it to 120 if I think it's like a really cool item. And then if it doesn't sell past that window, I just take it off eBay, I take it off Tracy, I take it off Poshmark, and I put it in a real real box, I ship it off. If I make, if they listed, so for example, I just sent them a box of 58 items. Some of those things I did source specifically for the real real because I knew I didn't want to list them in my closet. I knew a Poshmark buyer is not going to know what XYZ brand is, but I know the real real takes it. Right. I sent them 58 things, they accepted 51. That's good. This was like a couple weeks ago. They've only listed five of those things and two of them have sold already. So one of them was like a, um, a skirt. They listed it for $165. It's sold in like an hour and I get 60% of that. That's great. And I probably That's paid great. like 10 bucks for it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just for example, 
I'm pulling up my real, real sales. So the last thing I sold on there. So when I went sourcing with Lori, was that a month or two ago? Not this past time, last time, maybe it was two months ago. I yeah. found a um, Max Mara virgin wool coat and I wasn't going to send it to the real, real at first because it had flaws. And I was talking to Jill about it and she's like, just send it. Like they accepted one of my items that had flaws before that was Dior. Just, just send it. So I did. Now it wasn't priced as high as my last Max Mara coat, boohoo, like really Daniela, don't be picky. Um, but they still listed it for 348 and um, it sold. And I, I made $208 on it. Someone had a coupon. So I would have never, ever made that on Poshmark. And if I did, it would take no. me probably a year before I ever Over a year. That, yeah. At least. So yeah. Um, One of, go ahead. One of my most like handy things that I do, like there are things that after you do it for a while, you kind of know what they take and you know what they don't. But one of the most handy things you can do is even if you don't have an account with them yet, first of all, sign up for an account because they send out coupons all the time. They send out $25 off coupons, $30 off coupons. The shipping is expensive, but if you can buy a Cezanne sweater for $30 and you have a $30 off coupon and you pay $11.95 to ship it, that's literally cheaper than New England thrift store prices. That's all I'm going to say. So sign up for it and download the app because if you download the app, you there's a cheat sheet way to look at sort of their designer list, but it's not really their designer list. So you go to the app and you go on the main page and in the bottom right-hand corner, there's a little dollar sign that says consign. Click on consign and then you scroll down. It says prices of recently sold items. Just hit check your items. You can put in the category. So say I'm looking up a, uh, I'll look up a, jacket because I, I actually found a sport max cashmere jacket the other day which was super exciting so i'm going to look up here so women's fashion accessories it's a jacket the designer is and you can just type it in sport max and then you can see if they accept it so if you were to just search in the search bar for say you know whatever brand they might have items listed under that brand, but they may no longer accept them. Mm. Um, I find that they do that a lot, actually, especially with dress pants, believe it or not. Let's bring it back to dress pants. Right. There are brands that they'll take literally anything except for a dress pant. Which is crazy. And even if they do take a dress pant, so like Max Mara wool trousers, they list them for 50 bucks. So I'm going to get what, 16? Yeah, it's nothing. It's minimal. Yeah, it's minimal, but that $50 goes towards how much money you've sold on the website. Correct. Overall. You know, you're going to double your money because for the most part, if you're buying Max Mara pants at the thrift store around here, you're spending anywhere between, I don't know, $3.99 to $9.99. Sometimes a right. little bit more, but for the most part, that's where you are. The $3.99 to mm -hmm. $9.99 mark. So you're probably yeah. going to double your money. If you send it to the real real, the other thing too, is they do accept other brands that aren't luxury. So they accept Patagonia, they accept Sorel, um, they accept they? North Face. Yeah, they do. They accept Ugg. I didn't know that. Yep. They accept Uggs too. So check their list. There's, there's brands on there that you would assume they don't accept, but they do. Um, sometimes they'll accept Michael by Michael Kors and list it as Michael Kors, which is two totally different things. If you guys don't know. Um, Michael Kors <laughs> is made in Italy <laughs> and it's their designer. Michael Kors is thousands of dollars. Yeah. Michael Kors collection and 
Kors, Michael Kors is the Kohl's special of the week or whatever Yeah, it is. so they're two very different brands, but sometimes they accept it. So that's the other thing too, is the Real Real is not a perfect system. So if you do buy something from them and then when you get it, you realize that it's not what you thought it was. I have to say their customer service is really great. They're very responsive. You can send it back to them. Like it's very, very seamless process. If you want to consign with them, I tell everyone, if you want to consign with the real rogues, I get questions all the time, set up an appointment, talk to someone, you can text them, you can email them, you can do a video chat, mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want. Talk to someone at the real real, you can go through the items that you have and what you think you want to send to them. If you're a part- part-timer and you find yourself that you're overwhelmed with inventory, use these other avenues to move inventory. Yes. You're not a storage unit. Yes. You need to move the stuff out of your house. And there are right. some pieces Agreed. you need to part with and that's fine but yeah. there are pieces you can part with and you have to learn to be okay with it because guess what full-timers do it all the time full-timers yeah. are constantly using this method and why don't we as part-timers there's no reason why we have to hoard certain inventory we don't right we don't have well, to do also it. that like the thing is and this is what what i find is i don't list that much on ebay i really should list more but i really don't list that much on ebay and i really don't list that much on tradesy a majority of the things that i'm listing on poshmark and um, the Poshmark buyer and the real, real buyer could be the same person, but most likely are not the same people. Yeah. Um, I, I know people that in real life that won't shop on Poshmark cause they think it's like, nah, I don't know about that. But then buying it from the real, real, they're like, oh, this is like a store. Like, it comes in a duster bag. <laughs> right. So it's shipped to me by a company, not a person. So I right. trust this more. I have never had the heart to tell these people, well, <laughs> that could have come out of the bin and you could have paid $900 for it, but whatever. Right. Um, I right. think it's important to utilize these things when you when you are part-time because guess what? The real real pays you once a month. They pay you on like the 15th of yeah. the following yeah. month. So if you sell something, I sold something on Halloween. I got paid out today because today's the 15th. Yeah, it tastes and good. You kind of forget about it. You see things as they sell. You get emails when they sell. But then knowing that payment is coming once a month, if you have active items there, you're at least going to get a payment. Right. Every 15th of every month. I've like I've had months where the payment's like $35 because I hadn't sent them a box in, I don't know, six months. But I've also had months where that payment is equal to what I've made on Poshmark the right. same week or the same month. Like it's... It is, it is substantial and it's a good source of, it's a good stream of income to have, especially if you're a part-time seller. Yeah, I agree. I think it's good to use, utilize other programs. If you want to use ThreadUp, you can. I'm not a big ThreadUp person. You won't hear me talk about it. I just send um, stale inventory to them, things that I was probably going to donate um, or things I got as donations. So Jill knows I have this ad still up on next door that I forgot to even take down when the pandemic first hit. I had people reach out to me not too long ago. I went, I hit up all their houses. I had all my thread up bags with me, whatever I wasn't going to sell myself. I threw in a thread up bag and I literally shipped it off that same day. I packaged it all up in my car and I sent it off. Whatever I was going to donate, I went to Savers and put everything in donations, got my 20% off coupon, and then called it a day. Stuff I was going to list myself was in a separate pile, which was small, but that's fine. I have probably 15 or 16 bags sitting in thread up. 
Um, and all that money that I make from it is all free money for me. So that's right. the way I utilize ThreadUp. Um, I don't source specifically for it, but if you want to put that in your business model, you can. I just don't want to put my time or energy into it that way. Um, I especially usually with the changes. Bonus. They, yeah, yeah, especially with the changes that they just made. I mean, like, stay tuned for what happens with this last bag. Um, yeah. I just kind of put in everything that I could no longer look at that I thought they would price well. And so I wouldn't have to jump the price up too much. And right. that's kind of, that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, some people might say that, you know, they don't find luxury or mid-tier luxury items sent to the real real. Then I still suggest you sign up for their coupons and use that $30 mm-hmm. credit. And you can find things in the clearance section for $15. You can buy two of them, use a $30 credit, and then um, just pay $11.95 for shipping. And then your cost of goods is half of that for each item. Like that's just crazy when you think about it. And that's how you can start to incorporate more of that mid-tier luxury brands into your closet and see how they do for you. Like that's the perfect way to, to kind of test the waters and see, right. you know, there's no harm in doing any of that. In, to say that we always find it at a thrift store would be a lie. Like we kind of get it where we go. I know I source on Poshmark. Jill will look on Poshmark, but you're not really a big sourcer on Poshmark. I do occasionally, but I always find myself disappointed yeah you know like there's always something up yeah and I don't know if if you're this way or not but when I'm kind of sourcing online I look for like the worst damn photo I look for the worst photo the worst description I want it to say like doesn't fit anymore (laughs) instead of like what the item actually is because that's kind of where you can find the best skills in this also has worked for me on Facebook Marketplace in mm-hmm. finding things for my house, um, like finding furniture for my house, like terrible photos, bad lighting, basically no description. And I know what the shape of that chair is. Like, you don't know what you have and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna give it the home that it deserves. So yeah, I just, I've never, the last thing that I, I bought to a bundle a couple weeks ago, I wanna say probably like a month ago, it was a House of Harlow, um, you know, and Revolve collab, like kimono jacket, and also a leather jacket from the brand Line. Um, I still really don't know a whole lot about that brand. I can't find out a lot because every time you type in Line, like a million things come up. Like there's no way to really search this brand out, even by the RN number. It, it's been difficult. But it was leather. I know ThreadUp likes leather. And together, the two of them cost me $40. And I was like, cool, I'm just going to buy this. Mm-hmm. So I bought it. It came in. The Revolve thing was fine. And then the leather jacket on the sleeve, it looked like it had either like been held over a candle or like a fire or something. And like the sleeve was like melted leather. And it was not cute. And I had to return it. And I felt bad. But I had to like open up a case and just say, listen, like this wasn't described this way. There's nothing I can do with a melted leather jacket. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sourcing online can be, can be interesting. Even buying, I bought things from ThreadUp where they've said excellent condition and you get it and it's got like a big black stain on it. And you're like, "Mm." yeah, it's happened on the real, real too. I've bought things in the real world where it says that it's in, it's in really good condition. I look at it. I'm like, well, 
I don't know if I'd say really good condition on this. Is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's not a perfect science unless you're holding it in your hand right at the thrift store. It's mm. it's definitely different. But yeah, I think if you're a part-timer, looking at these different avenues is really great. And you might be a part-timer that doesn't want to hold a lot of inventory. So Jill and I hold a lot of inventory. I know Jill's re- reevaluating this. Um, right now I'm sitting at 600. And you typically sit at 600. I'm at 500 right now, mm. but with my hoard pile, plus my personal closet hoard pile. Mm-hmm. If I don't push out what I'm putting in, I might need to buy another shelving unit. Yeah. I it's, know you had said you were thinking about possibly dropping down. Yeah, I think what I really, my overall goal is to sit more around like 300 to 350 listings um, at any given time. But I think at that point, it requires some changes in my business model. So, so more my sell, right. So my sell-through rate will need to be either faster or I'll need to be bringing less in, um, which is fine either way. It just, you just need to find what works for you. But I think that 350 is more manageable for me. Um, and how I plan to get there is basically to do what we were just talking about I have a pair of Fendi shoes that have been in my closet for a year and I can't let them go and this next box that I'm building for the real real I'm going to pull them out and I'm going to put them in the box and I'm going to sell them there because even if I make $70 off of them Mm. where I maybe could have sold them for 250 is it worth me waiting a year to profit $185 or is it worth me doing no work once they leave making my money back plus a really good profit on them well and and that's that too is when you think about that mathematically if they've already been sitting in your closet for a year you're already losing money on it to begin with so you're already going into it in the negative so yes you're going to recoup your costs and you're going to make money on it but that's when you really just start evaluating things and think well was it really worth it for it to sit for a year right there are things that I'm willing to wait on. And like I said, I've gotten a lot better at accepting offers Mm -hmm. and just kind of, you know, I don't know how many times I had to counter like $5 just to be petty. And then I lost the sale. And then I stared at that stupid shirt for another eight months until I was just like, it's going to be 15 for you, bro. You know, like I just like, there's so many times that that's happened to me at this point that I no longer allow myself to get to that place there is probably only like one thing that I wouldn't accept an offer on currently in my closet maybe two um if I were to find like a Birkin bag and somebody offered me half half what I had it listed for I would absolutely not accept that right. I would like find uh-huh. them and tell them how terrible they were but other than that like I'm pretty open to it now because it makes more sense for me to keep a lower amount of items in my house at all times because all of my storage is in my house. So yes, I have a posh room. I specifically bought this house because it had three bedrooms. So I have a guest bedroom and I have a a room that I use as my posh office, but my storage actually is downstairs in my basement because I didn't wanna have two or three huge shelving units inside my posh office, making it hard for me to move around and store things. And, you know, we all have the chair we got the chair with the stuff on it. I had to have room for the chair with the stuff on it. Like you can't, you can't not have the chair. I know. I don't know. I don't know what else it is, but, um, 
you know, I'd like to have less of it down there so that I can utilize my home space for the things that it was meant for. Um, and the way that I'm going to do that is to pull some of that stuff out, send it to the real real. And then, you know, I might even start eBay auctioning a couple things that, cause I no longer really after this, after this bag at, that I sent to thread up, I'm really not comfortable sending stuff to them anymore. I might put up some eBay auctions starting at like $4.99 and just kind of see what happens. Cause if I sell it for $4.99, some of it, I'd make my money back. Right. So right. we'll see. And then you're just going to reinvest that money anyway. Right. So right. yeah, I'm, I'm sitting at 600, which is a lot for me. It's a lot. Um, yeah. But it's also because I've been hoarding so much stuff, like we've said all along, and I'm slowly listing these things out. I will say though, sitting at 600, I do get more sales. I don't know if right. there's a correlation. I think it's just because I have more stuff available in my closet. Right. Um, so there, there are more frequent daily sales. So yeah, I mean, it's just like any store, right? If you go into a small boutique, there's limited items there. You're not gonna make as many sales. You go into a Macy's and there's hundreds and hundreds of items and you're bound to make sales that day, you know? So there's that. Um, I had to start outsourcing work, which I think we can talk about as well. Jill does not outsource. Um, I'm out, the only thing she outsources is the real, real or thread yeah. up. Um, I'm outsourcing my listing right now. And this was a business decision that I had to make for myself, for my sanity. Um, I wasn't getting listings done or I was getting them done, but it was infrequent or I just was getting lazy with them. Um, I had no energy to do it. I have no issues taking pictures. I have no problem taking pictures. I will sit or stand or whatever and um, take 50 to 100 photos of, I mean, 50 to 100 items, photograph them all and I won't have a problem with it. Then I have to actually go through and, and edit, which I can bulk edit. So that's not a big deal. I can do it on my computer, but then I got to list it all. And I just don't have enough time in the day lately. Like I would say the last like three months has been really hard for me. And um, I make enough money within my business now to start outsourcing and listing. Now, I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this for. Um, I don't, I don't know. For right now, this is what I'm going to do. I don't know but if I'm going to do it. Well, though. Huh? It's going well though. Oh yeah, no, like it. Yeah, it's going really well. Um, Sometimes it, she texts me at like seven thirty in the morning. She's like, "It's so nice to wake up to fifteen new listings," and I'm like, "Shut up, Daniela." <laughs> it is no, it's very nice, but it is an expense. Yeah. So I think it really depends on what happens in the next few weeks, really. Yeah. What's going on in the world, and if things start to slow down again, then I'm just gonna stop and I'll just start listing myself again. Yeah. Um, but the way things were going and the growth that I was having, I just couldn't keep up with the demand of what I needed to list and get out there. So there's that. So do I think that outsourcing is meant for everyone? No, I think a lot. It's people that are that have higher volume and they're mm -hmm. trying to find more time to do the things that are more important to them within the business. Um, I think it's very important in that instance to do it. Um, if you're a part-timer, I, I don't think you need to outsource unless it's like sharing. Cause I think if you're a Poshmark seller, it's okay to outsource sharing. However right. you decide to do it, I'm not going to get into legalities of it all because it's not my business, how you decide to outsource. I haven't shared my own closet in like three months. I'm just going to put it that way. Yeah. It's so, been wonderful. Right. So if you want to outsource, outsource or sharing, Lots of ways to do that, however you decide to do it. But um, there are people on Fiverr, there's people on Upwork, there's people on Instagram, like you can do it however you want. I don't care how you do it. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. Um, as long if, as they get shared, that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then even 
in terms of listening, if you feel like if you have like, a, I don't know, a teenager in your household who can get your listings, at least in a draft form for you, or maybe you want to do the listings, but you want your teenager to edit all your photos for you. Kids nowadays know how to edit photos really well. Yeah. There's all these different apps that are out there. Let them do it. They'll enjoy it. Um, does Lori, does Lori do that? Does Lori have her kids? Lori, well, I think Rocco was doing it for a little bit and then he was oh, like, that's so smart. This. Yeah. Oh, you want an allowance? Just kidding. Yeah. Here's 50 listings. Yeah, exactly. And then um, she has Lindsay right now, who is um, Angelina's best, one of her best friends. And um, she's taking uh, this year off from school or this semester anyway, off from school. So she's helping, but she does the same thing. She's um, photographing and then she's editing and she's getting Mm -hmm. the drafts up. And then Lori just kind of goes in and, you know, makes edits that she wants to make or whatever, and then makes listings go live. So I do think that having to outsource some work to relieve the stress of being a full-time employee outside the household is okay. I think there's different ways of doing that, that kind of like, okay, like sharing is the biggest one that most people don't want to do if you're on Poshmark. If you're on eBay, you don't have to worry about this. Like this, it's a beautiful thing. You just got to make sure you're constantly feeding the machine of eBay, which is where maybe a lister is important to you, you know? So I can't say that there's a right or wrong way to do it. But for me personally, for my sanity, I have had to outsource for right now. And then I'm going to constantly reevaluate it because that is $30 a week that I'm spending. So if I had a really slow sales week, was it worth it for me to have a lister? I don't know. I haven't reached that point yet. I've, I've been able to pay that without having to worry. Um, so yeah. That's something else that you can think about if you're a part-timer. And also if you're a part-timer, don't compare yourself to all these other social media people that like, just don't look at Instagram. I mean, first of all, let me just, let me just put this out there. Like I'm a part-time reseller with a full-time job and Danielle is a part-time reseller with a full-time job. But if you follow Daniela, you know that she also does YouTube and you know that she also has a podcast, which you're currently listening to. Thanks so much, by the way. But you know that she does all of these other things. She's posting on Instagram all the time. And I got to tell you, like, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to do all these things. Like, yep. Reselling on its own, whether we call it part time, like we said earlier, it's really kind of the hours of almost a full time job. If almost all of your spare time that you're not at your full time job is taken up, by your second job, which is what this is for me and what this is for Daniela and probably for some of you as well. It's not as part-time as you want to make it out to be. It's not like I'm working at, you know, Marshall's one shift on a Saturday for a 20% off employee discount. It's not like I'm working one bar shift a week. It's like I'm sourcing after work almost every day, except for Mondays. (laughs) And then on the weekends, I'm picking like one or two days and I'm steaming 50, 60, 70, 80 items. And then I'm photographing at least 20 of them on like a Sunday night. Like right before we got on here, I took 20 photos, 20 items. I measured them. I wrote them in my notebook and I have those pictures on my phone right now. And those will last me till probably Tuesday till I have to get back into my posh office, take another five photos of things and measurements and then list those. And that's kind of how I do it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, batch working is really important to me for um, efficiency. Like if I were only to steam the 15 things that 
I was going to take pictures of today, it would make me not want to have to go in there on Wednesday and after work a long day and then go in there and steam and then photograph and then measure. So I find that it's either I have to do all the steaming on one day on like a Saturday and then I go in and I do all the photos on the Sunday and then I have things to list throughout the week or you know just I honestly get to a point where I understand why you've got a lister Daniela because listing is my least favorite thing to do and I know that makes no sense but I'm very particular about my listings I like stock photos I like a front and a back view of stock photo I like the actual style name. I like measurements, a description, all, I'm like very particular about the way that I do it. And there are some nights where I don't have the energy to actually list things. So I'll go into my photos. If I have like five or six items photographed, I'll go into my photos and I'll literally spend a whole night just looking up stock photos for everything. And then, you know, doing the, um, doing like the picture. I don't know what, even what that app is called that I use. The Instagram one. Yeah. So I use layout. Yep. Layout. I use the layout app and I'll do like a front end and a side photo and I'll pre-do these and load them into a draft and I'll, I'll draft things. Now that drafts actually drafts are more helpful now than they used to be. Yeah. Well, we you now, which is a if big you drafted something a year ago, and then you, you know, let it sit for two or three days and then you listed it, it would say posted three days ago or whatever. If you draft something now, you could let it sit for like six months and then post it and it would say, you know, listed just now. <laughs> showing me your cat. He's half awake. He heard you talking and he popped in. Yeah. Like, but yeah, if you're if you're a part-timer and you're kind of struggling on how to make all of this work, my biggest tips are batch working. Um, my biggest tips are sort of sourcing throughout the week so that way you can spend your weekends getting yourself prepped and ready for the, the week to come. Um, a big, big one is packaging sales at night. I don't know about anybody else. I, yeah, I mean, I'd assume if you work outside of the home, your hours are probably early. If you work in a restaurant or something like that, you don't go until two or three or four, that might be a little bit different. But if you have like, oh, I guess you want to say nine to five or something similar to a nine to five, if I don't package the night before, I'm not shipping it in the morning. There's no way I'm going to get up at five in the morning and start taping Susie's label to her box. Like I really just will not ship it. <laughs> like I have to do it the night before. So always kind of staying one step ahead of what you need to do it the next day because you never know what your day is going to be like especially this is kind of the second thing that you do. Yeah. You might have like a, an absolutely terrible day and be like, I can't work on Poshmark tonight. And that's also okay because it's a, a secondary income for, for me. If I don't want to do it for two, three days, I just don't do it for two to three days. I do have the luxury to step away when I just can't respond to another sleeve measurement question. I do have that luxury. Yeah. And I think it's hard though, sometimes when you get to the point that we're at in reselling, where it's like, you almost feel like you have to keep going, but we really don't like, it's okay if we take that time off. And if you are part-time or you are a hobbyist, 
don't put that pressure on yourself. Yeah. If you want to take the day off, take the day off. You don't like, I haven't done anything for Poshmark today. Nothing. Didn't photograph. Did, Sundays are like my one day besides the podcast, which is minimal time anyway, out of my day. I don't do it. Um, I just don't. And so Saturdays I'm always working on reselling and it's usually all day long because that's my one day where I have a block of time to work on all the stuff. So yeah, yeah. All helpful tips, bulking, bulking. No, that would bulking. be, that's for workout purposes. Bulking. 4,000 calories a day and we are lifting heavy. Previous life, previous life. Yep. Um, bulk editing, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's all very helpful. So hopefully all these tips were helpful to you guys. Um, just getting a different perspective from two part-timers and what we do and how we do it. We're both very, we're very similar, but very different all at the same time. So uh, I hope this was helpful and I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you, Jill, for being here. Thanks, Daniela. Maybe you'll come on again. Yeah, maybe I'll give you a review on what happens with the, we should <laughs> the totally. up debacle. We should totally do that. Because my last I'm bag. May it rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. I Man, I think I feel like I need a whole episode just on thread up so people know like the ins. I think I should do like a thread up versus real real episode. Uh yeah, absolutely. I think that'd be good. One thousand percent because there are some people on Instagram that I've seen do phenomenally well on thread up that I've just like, oh wow. my God. Like there's one girl in particular, yeah, you guys might know who I'm talking about. She's made like over a hundred thousand dollars on thread up. It is absolutely insane. Like that is, that is amazing as a, as, a, as an extra stream of income. Like that's incredible. It's some of these, some of these things, like some of these outsourcing opportunities are really, really worth your time to look into and try out, especially if you're part-time, like yeah. No one ever got wealthy with one stream of income. That's the only thing that I'm going to say. You need to have multiples. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And if anything, this episode will teach you that we do multiple streams of income. And if you haven't tried it and you're not comfortable with it, you can totally reach out to Jill or I whenever oh, you yeah. want. Um, we will try to help you the best way that we can. Um, slide in my DMs. Yeah, slide right in. We'll talk to you. Mm. We'll do the best that we can. We try to post different things that are helpful too. Um if you ever see us go silent on social media, it's because we just can't, we don't have the mental capacity for Daniela it. Daniela posts way more than I do, but I'm on it all the time. I sometimes just don't have the energy to take yeah. a nice looking photo. It's just too much work. <laughs> it's just way too much work. And now that my phone, like the audio doesn't work on it without me putting my AirPods in it, like, and even then sometimes it doesn't really work. Like I haven't really done anything with audio. It doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> I have an iPhone 12 soon don't you worry uh, 12 pro three more weeks three more weeks maybe we right, should do another one so you can tell us how it is compared to the iPhone 8 oh my god I'm, I'm sure using. it's gonna be amazing when it comes to photos I can't yeah. even wait I cannot even wait all right guys okay, well thank you so much for letting us talk for an hour and a half or however long this has I think been it's about an hour and a half everyone says they like the long episodes so I mean I hope that you do we definitely got off on a couple tangents but I mean the long and the short of it is you know find what works for you yes make it make it fit that's the nice thing about this job is that you don't have to be anywhere at any specific time mm -hmm. you don't have to work on certain days if you're a night owl and you want to work till four in the morning power to you kid do it up we'll be in bed so 
which is where Jill and I are heading in the next hour or two. So, yep. I'm just going to wash off this self tan that I've been marinating in for our entire conversation. And <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you guys next week with Lori. Bye. Bye.